Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. You're here for episode 14, Whose God is God Anyway? We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Last time we were over in Radford there with uh, Jesse's uh, Global. We're not global today. We're not no, global. we're not global. global today. Well, I am here with my co-host, uh, Jesse I'm sure Fury. you're global. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you're global. Yeah, yeah, I'll be traveling. You're all over the Traveling place. globally. Did speak in Italy last year. So global. Slight, slightly global. Well, we're here for a, a rather interesting episode. Our main topic that we'll head to in a few moments after we have a little fun is going to be about religious pluralism. So my title is, Whose God is God Anyway? It's a good question, right? Because once you enter the world of believing in things, right, other than the, the grass outside the door and you're dealing with metaphysical objects or claims to deity, there are many, many ideas. And so we need to learn to talk uh, well with one another about that across uh, religions uh, for the sake of kindness and peace and joy and love in the world, but also uh, for the sake of truth, because we don't want to be fake news religionists. But before we get there, we're going to go to a few segments back-to-back, um, uh, well, a few of the segments we do here on The Underground, one we haven't done in a little while, in or out, where we just get each other's opinions and a test of courage, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> where it, it, today I'm going to test uh, Jesse's courage to make comments about things that I find funny. Uh, that I've actually had most of these conversations with my children, and they had opinions. So, Jesse, let's see if you want to go in or out on these first. Number one, men's or women's NCAA basketball tournament. Okay. Which one do you prefer, in or out on that? That seems like a trap question. You know what? I am a Virginia fan. I grew up, my dad like went to Wahoo UVA. Wahoo and yeah. all that stuff. The drunk fish, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, so this was a, this was a difficult <laughs> NCAA basketball <laughs> First number uh, 16 <laughs> team to, to win. Upset of one. Um, I didn't feel bad because UVA people were starting to think they were as good as UNC where I went to school, <laughs> which is such foolishness. But go ahead. You know, uh, my alma mater, Radford, lost to Villanova, the national champions, by about the same as every other team, yeah. including Kansas. What could have and, been yeah, if I they mean, just hit later in the tournament. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> we probably would have beat Virginia. It probably would have. <laughs> I'm going women's this year. Oh, okay. What a fun Final Four. Some are saying the best ever. My son is a, a rabid Mississippi State fan of all Ooh. sports, and so he was hoping for a victory there. But why? There. He, he saw a documentary on Dak Prescott okay. years ago and how he, he loved his mom and all this stuff, and he's, been, he's got bulldog slippers for his shoot feet in the house. He's got hats and shirts, and he was not happy with, uh, with uh, Notre Dame's yeah. awesome, awesome back-to-back victories. Oh, yeah. What great game winners. To, now, what's her name? You got to help me here. We're going with Rico. R- Rico, we don't, we, don't, we don't want to butcher her Nigerian. You had beautiful. it pretty well yeah, earlier, earlier. Yeah. but I'm scared to say it now. But uh, what great shots! Uh, so this year, I had more fun watching. Uh, to be honest, I didn't watch much of either, but uh, probably had more fun watching the highlights of the of the women's. Yeah, Rico did it up, dropped dropped it, broke all the bulldogs. Mamba mentality. <laughs> Hearts of the world. Channeling yeah. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, tweeting, Kobe was tweeting at her, apparently. Yeah. Uh, she got she got a little tweet back, love, to finish the finish the thing. Okay, number two, um, in or out, does the Pope, and by that I mean the Pope in Rome, actually believe in, I know who the Pope in, is. in hell or not? He's it's got not- the little car with the... Uh, I'm out. I, I'm out. I don't want to talk about it. Come, come, like, what What the hell does the Pope believe about hell is what the question was over the weekend of all these religious reporters. Um, there is a new book about him by, uh, oh, who's the Catholic, uh, the conservative Catholic writer for the New York Times? Christoph? No, no, uh, du, Ross uh, du, Duthot. Yes. Like, du, Duthot. I don't know how to however, say his name. However either. you say his name, uh, where I think he, he's he's not happy with the direction the Pope's taking the Catholic uh, Church. He's more of a Ratzinger guy, I would yeah, bet. He is. All right, number three, uh, in or out, do you prefer Good Friday or Easter Sunday services in the church in America today? In okay. Um, I'll go in and say, uh, I want to say Easter. Because you prefer the resurrection. Well, he's risen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've read a bit of N.T. Wright, perhaps. Um, Been surprised Tom, by hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to say... Tom Wright, Tom, your boy, Tom well, Wright. Well, I just... If you say N.T. Wright, you can get in trouble. But if you just say Tom, some people yeah, don't know who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you're the, not accused of anything. Call him the bishop. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'd like to say Easter Sunday. I think 
you know, I, I haven't been to another church on Easter in a long time. I love our particular Good Friday service and, and Good Friday and Easter together as far as telling the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, but but I, I like walking out on Easter Sunday better than I like walking out on Good Friday. Amen. I like feeling good. I, I like feeling good rather than... I, there was a guy, he knows who he is if he listens in on this, who told me he wasn't going to the Good Friday service because it was about wearing black, not talking, and feeling bad, and he wasn't into that. Oh, gosh. So I, I thought our Good Friday service was one of the did best. He, did he, and he didn't yeah. come? He didn't go to that. He, he, was, he was there for Easter Sunday. Okay, I'm going to figure um, out who it is. <laughs> I'll tell you after the podcast. I'm coming for you. All right, number four. Uh, in or out, and your kids are probably a little young, but old Disney movies probably creep into this category. Musicals as a movie genre. Are you uh, in or out on that? Uh, or do I you mean, want to go in on whether I, you're in or I'll out? I'll go on in on going out. I am just not a... <laughs> people love musicals. I, I don't. I don't love musicals. Yep. You're, you, you hate little kids. I hate... No. <laughs> I don't hate little kids. I just don't want them to have any fun. Yeah. Well, for, for all of you out there who have uh, daughters who were of a certain age when Frozen came out, you know, you know there was singing going on in the world. Well, All I, the time. Not too long ago, I was introduced to the most commonly sung, maybe teenage <laughs> version of Frozen, uh, The Greatest Showman, where Wolverine can actually sing. So if you're interested in that, great soundtrack uh, on The Greatest Showman. Where I, do, I do like Hugh Jackman. He's good, man. I'm He's, in on Jackman. You you, you got to check this out. Your Jackman appreciation. Now, what about Zac, balance out what my... about Zac Efron? Can you deal with that? Um, I can deal with that. Okay, I wouldn't say I'm in on he on does. Efron. He's, he's actually more uh, likable. I love him in this movie uh, more so than the High School Musical. Yeah, so quad, I was quadrilogy or whatever. I never got into the High School yeah. Musical I, thing. My son didn't either. One time I came home and my daughters were watching that again, like after I've seen it like forty eight times, and and uh, my son just came up to me. Collapsed into my chest and said, "I hate this." <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, dog, come on." All right. Well, Jesse, our our next segment. Oh, here you hear that sound? You know what that means? Oh, it's time. It's time. It's time to take him to church. Take him to church. Jesse is our pastor here on the underground. I'm a former pastor, uh, so I appreciate the pastor talk. But he's going to take us to church today on a topic of his choosing. Okay. Yes. Take him to church. So. Uh, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about authenticity. So being authentic in the church. And here I'm going to take a controversial position for our, our, our current cultural moment and say, um, and say, I'd like you to put the brakes on authenticity a little bit. All right. Just pump them a little bit. So, so, right. So, uh, read, Talk to me a little bit. How yeah, how, how, yeah. how important is authenticity yeah, in in, yeah. in our, maybe the cultural yeah, world we live in? Yeah, Jesse told me beforehand that he wasn't going to tell me his take on this and position, so I would have to either oppose or join. I want you but, to argue, but, with but me I will. Again. But I will say that authenticity. You know, every you know. Now let me go on the record. I hate calling people by generations that are made up by marketers in order to segment people off into the greatest generation, the boomers, the Xers, the millennials, the half Xers. Um, the millennials with the what are the, the what the, are the new kids the ZBs Z? or something yeah, yeah. I mean I don't know what they are but um, I hate doing that to people because that's just designed to talk about people as groups rather than talking to people as individuals but with millennials everyone says give us authenticity well the 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 opposite of authenticity uh, for me would probably be that word bad stuff uh, that we discussed on the fake news podcast so to me I think. I want to know that a person is shooting me straight. Um, right. Yes. That I'm dealing with their real, who they are, the best that we can know, and that there's not a facade or some agenda or I'm being BSed. Right. That that's where okay, my yeah, authenticity yeah, go there. meter uh, goes off. But I think you might be getting at this being used in a different way. Yeah. So here, let me tell you a story that just happened. I was talking to a friend of mine who was sharing his experience in. In a in a in a small group Bible study, uh, where uh, they broke off into men's and women's times, and the men were sharing about their life, and um, uh, there was this sense that uh, that they had to share. It, almost like the authentic authenticity means the expectation was so high that 
Yes, yeah, super high to be authentic, but all, not just authentic, authentically sad or, or authentic. In a sense, uh, saying something like I'm doing well doesn't doesn't pass the test of authenticity anymore. Right, right. And right. so, so in order to be authentic, you almost, in, in at least maybe, maybe I have a pretty narrow church culture, but in yeah, my church culture yeah. now means I have to authentically admit that things are not going very well for me, yeah, yeah. and I have to be present in the in the bad things and right. And so this guy right. was sharing with me that he felt like he was doing really well. And these other guys were kind of going one by one around the room, being really authentic about how they're not doing well. Yeah. 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 And encouraging each other to just be present (laughs) in that. And, and he was like, it was coming around to me and I was like, man, I I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I need to make something up about going to be judged severely. Yeah, Almost like the most, the most challenging authentic thing he could do is say, I'm doing really well. Um, so I guess maybe I'm not talking about authenticity in the in the proper sense of being truly who you are. There, there has been an ascendancy in uh, therapeutic views of the faith where there's a focus on knowing your wounds, knowing your brokenness, and that that makes you authentic. In fact, I saw this in That's a, what in I'm a, talking in a about. megachurch years ago uh, where people almost like, I can't be in a group with these people because they don't know their story. And I'm like, ooh, elitist. You're like, I've I've wept more than you, and so now I can't even deal with these you know, serfs out there in the church, these peasants. And so I, I, it happens, man. I don't know what it is about um, church people, but it seems like it happens around all matter of issues. Could be authenticity. Could be you know certain theological views that you're woke on now. Could be wokeness about racial issues. That, and all the serfs. Uh, need your disdain and disgruntlement. It could be about gifts of the spirit. You know, all oh, these people they don't they don't really know the Holy Ghost or something. And so then there's this condescension that comes. And so whatever it is, I think we need to avoid that. Um, yeah, know, yeah. To, the, to, the inner circle idea. Yeah, I'd like to like to learn to. I, you need to learn to bear with people who aren't where you are. Right. Be that about all manner of things. Or, and you need to, we, I need to learn sometimes like, hey man, that guy's not where I am. And I, I that's okay. And maybe I, maybe I could humble myself and learn. But so, yeah. So pre, there's also a pretentiousness that I would put under what you're talking about, authenticity, where there's kind of, there can be an inauthentic authenticity posturing in the, in the world where you're kind of like, so like, you know, pre- you know, presenting this kind of self out there uh, that is so sensitive and so deep and so yeah. this, that that you're not even living, you're not being real, right? Yeah. So I guess what I'm what I want to advocate for is to be authentic, but that authenticity does not mean you have to say everything you feel. Yeah, to everybody, <laughs> to everybody in every context. Yeah. It doesn't mean that everyone. You have to be so engaged with your story that you then tell your story um, explicitly every time you have a chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In some ways, we still have a private self. Yeah, and uh, or there's yeah. circles of knowledge that God knows certain things about my soul that even I don't know. My wife's going to know certain things about my heart that that others don't know, and that that radiation right outward is is okay and probably good. Like you don't want every friend of yours that gets in your car to throw up in the back seat, right? No, only those who I really know do I want to see all their vomit. And so maybe hold some of your stuff to yourself. Don't put your authenticity on every sleeve. Is Are you mean? using vomit to mean like word vomit? In, well, yeah. I don't want anyone's yeah. real vomit. Yeah. not even my like, close friends. Like inner self uh, upturning. Yes. In Got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and but one you of could the, use it as like you know we're around a college. Like if if people's friends on Thursday night vomited in their car every time, yeah, uh, we could use that as a metaphor perhaps to people's soul vomit that happens in small groups. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm not comfortable with vomit, so uh, I'll use a different metaphor at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think even like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six, you have this interesting theme where he comes back over and over again to secrecy. And I feel like we've yeah. lost the yeah. art in our value, valuing of authenticity, sometimes lose the art of secrecy, of, of doing something good and, or, or, or experiencing something, and then you are experiencing that with, with the Lord who's there with you and sees you, and you don't have to necessarily promote that. Yeah. We, uh, so just, all, all I'm saying is pump the brakes. I'm not saying stop. 
Before we exit church, um, there is a passage in the Bible in the New Testament, I believe Galatians 6, that has this interplay between burdens and loads, like each, you know, bear one another's burden and thereby fulfill the law of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other side, but each one has to carry his own load. And so I was talking to my kids about this passage maybe a couple weeks ago and saying, hey, there's just a wisdom thing in life that there are times when life is so heavy, so broken, that you cannot carry it and you have to... It's yeah. a fulfillment of the purpose of God for the, the church community to carry each other's burdens and to bear them. Yep. Um, but the, but if you got like a you know a little knapsack with a pair of socks in it and you can't carry it, and so everybody's always having to carry your stuff and you're not willing to take care of your own business, be responsible for your own life, uh, then you're just dropping mess all over the place for people. And there's something maybe we could apply there with this authenticity thing. They're like, hey, they're... There are certain times that, that all of me can be out on the floor because <laughs> yep. I'm a mess, man. I need help. And then there's other times that maybe, um, yeah, carry your stuff a little bit uh, to, to, to school today. That's right. Yeah. So like I said, don't stop. Just, I just want to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Slow it down so we But can, keep going. Yeah. And, you know, it's really intimidating when you go from zero to a hundred with people, you know, sometimes people, you know, like I, it's like, you know, that thing before church, I don't want everyone talking to me every time uh, at the meet and greet time during church. Oh, I here, want we to kind of myself. here we go. All right. Yeah, wait, hold on. Let me just say one more thing. I think I, I do want to say the, the, the value of, authentic, we live in the age of authenticity. What is that? Uh, that's Taylor, right? That uh, authenticity and being true to yourself is kind of the, the one, uh, Western cultural yeah. truism that find you find yourself, find your truth, be true to yourself, and be find true your to truth, your yeah. truth, yeah. create yourself, and then live authentically in it. And so, um, it's not all bad, right? I mean, like within the church, the idea that that uh, that we would want to not be fake, uh, not be put on a certain church face, put on the happy. Everything's I'm fine. Great, everything's great. Abundance, the problem yeah. I'm getting is when everything is fine, yeah. and you can't you can't even you can't say. say that because you feel like, well, if we value authenticity, I need to be like, yeah, deeper, right? You know, in a more deeper sense, I can't just say, well, I'm doing fine. Um, to to refer back um, as we wrap this up, to refer yeah. back that there is a season for lament. Yep. and there is a season for rejoicing that happens maybe even on Good Friday and Easter. Yep. Sunday. Well, I'm excited about where we're going, Reed. Especially, yeah. I'm excited to hear you <laughs> because I'm just like a layman when we get to this kind of stuff, well, and I'm excited to I hear mean, what you have to say. Uh, today's discussion is something that I, you know, maybe have thought about a little bit because, uh, in one sense, you know, my conversion took place uh, when I was, you know, fresh straddling freshman sophomore year in college, physics classmates, all kinds of worldviews uh, in my own family, um, and so having asked questions, right, about, wait a second, if I'm a Christian, what are the implications? Because there are millions upon millions, both historically and contemporary, that believe differently. And, uh, you know, according to Jesus, there's a whole lot on on the line with who we trust, who we worship, what we think about life, and what we do, right, in life. And what we do is, you know, driven many times by what we believe, Um uh, people do act uh, irrationally, but people do want to be uh, acting in consistency with their own beliefs. You know, hey, I believe you should be nice. Well, not all of us are nice all the time, but yet we, we try. Today, uh, the discussion is whose God is God anyway. Talking about religious pluralism, many beliefs, many gods, many religions, but uh, who who's right maybe even? I, I remember developing this a few years ago, Jesse, uh, when hiring staff. I, I was beginning to hire a staff team when I was on staff at a, a very large church, and I was looking to hire three or four people, and I started to think through what I want to know from them. Um, and we had a lot of good questions internally in the staff culture there about people's dreams and what they loved and different things that helped you get to know the person or a staff candidate. So when you list these things, this isn't these aren't the only it, questions there, you're asking. There were 20, you know, the church that I was at had this wonderful file called 20 Questions, where just kind of getting to know somebody. Got it. Um, and I added a few at the end, and one of them was about theology or beliefs. And I wanted to know, one, is this person faithful to the faith once for all entrusted to the saints, right? Can historical, biblical 
faith, but also um, what kind of interaction and engagement did the person have with the society around us, with the the current issues that kind of would face uh, someone who believes in Jesus. And so I called them the three H's, forgive me for the, the kind of bluntness of them. I asked them what they thought about homosexuality, hell, and Hinduism. Now, not particularly whether what kind of Hindu they were or anything like that, uh, but in, in terms of multiple religions in the world and how they saw Jesus among other gods. Um, so homosexuality, what do you believe about human sexuality, and how do you see people? Because in that question, I wanted to see what they thought about the Bible's teaching on, you know, male and female and our sexuality, but also um, there's a there's a really um, harsh, and I want to guess on a tangent, harsh way to treat people yeah. who you might think um, are sinful or doing something wrong. Right. So, kindness towards people in the world was also at play. You're there. getting at, at gender, sexual yeah. ethics, but also at how you view someone who is... Um, yeah, well, how you view sin, even. Yeah, like how, like you can believe certain things about right and wrong, but but are you like a? Do you hate people? Are you a jerk to people? Are you kind to people? Are you patient with you? Are you friend to sinners? That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, hell is Jesus a necessary savior? Is there judgment or not? These are areas where uh, thinkers move or Christians move uh, in the culture. You know, I don't want to believe in that anymore. We don't believe in the judgment of God. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe love wins over love, that. In love the love wins. Uh, bell rhymes with that. Yes, of course. And then, of course, what do we think about all the various people? Because, again, we're talking about human beings, people in the world that have different beliefs in, about religion than we do, right? Um, there are sincere beliefs out in the world. Now, this is kind of a funny story. A few years ago, I was I was reading a book uh, by a man named Ravi Zacharias, who I really have read probably everything he's written, and I was reading it on a Kindle, a Kindle app on an iPad, and I was reading in the book, and I had no idea that I was actually in the book. In other words, it said something like, pastor and thinker, Reed Monahan says. I was like, oh, I literally threw my iPad on the floor, because like, I was like, why is this in this book? But one of the things that uh, when Ravi Zacharias or his assistants or his lackeys or whoever was slumming around <laughs> on on Power of Change uh, blog uh, for this book, Has Christianity Failed You? There was something I just wrote, a, a, a tiny little blog entry called Thoughts on Plurality. And it just read, it reads like this. <laughs> and I really did throw my iPad on the floor because I was I like, remember this. when that happened to me once. No, no, it's... <laughs> And then of course, it's never happened. Of course, I had a, fr- a friend in Kansas City named Kevin Cauley who, you know, gave me a hard time because he saw it in there too. He's like, "Dude, you're in this book." I'm like, "I know, I have no idea why." And I wasn't consulted, but anyway, uh, he quoted me twice in that book for two footnotes, I think, in chapter two. But anyway, uh, thoughts on plurality, and and there's just four bullets here: a plurality of persons and ideas is good, right? God made uh, people, and we're all different, and there's all kinds of differences amongst us and ideas. That's just good, right? We should embrace that. Uh, a plurality of religions is a brute fact. Uh, human, you know, human beings, homo sapiens, uh, have sometimes been called homo adorans, worshiping beings. We worship stuff. We create stuff to worship. It's a clue maybe to what we were made for, but religions all over the world always have been, always will be. New ones created all the time. Thirdly, um, and growing. I mean, religion. Yeah. You know, religion's not going anywhere. Yeah, there's been a lot of studies on like uh, the gr- the growth of religion worldwide. Yep. Many times, uh, secular thinkers in the West think, "Oh, we we're going to outgrow that. We're going to yeah, we'll we'll mm. evolve past that." Not the case. Not true. Not the case. Both around the world uh, and all the time, people are creating different religions. Maybe Jordan Peterson's creating one himself today. All right, number three. No, uh, you did it. <laughs> plurality. Uh-uh. A plurality of gods right, is an idolatrous fiction. What I mean by that is that um, as a Christian, I'm a monotheist. I don't believe there are actual gods of the sun and of the sea and Poseidon, all these kind of things. And number four, a plurality of contradictory truths is an impossibility. So if you have two uh, two uh, truth claims about the same thing in the same sense, but they're contradictory, uh, for instance, the most simple one we could look at is a- atheism and theism. God exists, God does not exist. Well, if we mean the same thing by God uh, and existence, then both of those statements cannot be true. And so that's important when we look at um, religious claims, right? Um, because plur- pluralism of religions says that there are different religions that believe, shocking, different things, right? Different things. 
And Christians certainly need to engage with this. And, and I would just want to say at the beginning, religious truth claims matter, right? We don't think that religion is a matter of values and feelings and uh, other things like science or other investigations are matters of fact or truth. Um, there are metaphysical things that exist or don't exist. There are moral truths uh, that are true or false, uh, just as there are, you know, mathematical facts or scientific or empirical facts. And so we care about religious truth claims, and we want to be a respectful people such that if someone says, I believe that there are two white mice ruling the universe, and, and the meaning of life is 42, uh, maybe they 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 have hitchhiker religion, uh, you know, referring to Adam's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But we want to take religious claims on their face, respectfully, and I would say seriously. Now, some are absurd uh, on their face, and we can write them off maybe quicker than others. But certainly, religious truth claims matter. Now, today, it's very common uh, in our modern or contemporary world to hear stuff like this. Well, all religions basically believe the same things. They use like different names for God, right? That you may, or or hey, if you sincerely believe something, well, therefore it's true or okay. And many times, uh, an analogy can be invoked for this um, to say that we all have kind of partial access or partial knowledge. And then uh, this uh, John Godfrey Sachs poem that Jesse's going to read for us uh, uh, <clears throat> called "The Blind Men." In uh, the elephant is kind of this is a 19th century poem that kind of gets at some of these. All right, I'm I'm going for it. Go for it, man. It was six men of Indostan to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happened to fall against his broad and sturdy side. At once began to bawl, "God bless me!" But the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to me tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happened to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and fell about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. "'Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. "'The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, "'Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. "'Deny the fact who can. "'This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan.' "'The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope "'than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. "'I see,' quoth he, "'the elephant is very like a rope. "'And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. So often theologic wars, the disputants I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean, and prate about an elephant not one of them has seen. All right. I bet you'd do a Ooh. mean uh, green Dr. egg. Dr. Yeah, give me some Dr. Seuss up mean in here. green eggs and ham reading from Jesse, I can imagine. Every dad needs to read that well. Well, so see what we're seeing here, and, and this is an old, ancient uh, Indian uh, parable that that obviously this poem has been written, kind of expressing its ideas. Certainly, when I was when I took undergraduate philosophy at Radford, this poem was was uh, claimed to to show the common sense reality of pluralism, right, of, of, right, of different right. you know ways of access. Yeah, so the Muslim, the Hindu, the Buddhist, the we atheist. We all get part of it, but yeah, not the whole thing. you're getting a little bit. You're not seeing it completely. Um, I'm a bit of a, you know, I like to poke holes in things at times. And so I, I, I read this and heard this in a similar context with somebody who was trying to espouse this kind of idea of pluralism. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, how on earth do we know that we're actually in this thing touching an elephant? This is like where my English, my uh, daughter who likes English and poetry and stuff would say, there's kind of an omniscient point of view uh, that's kind of assumed in a, in a poem like this. And I think is assumed in this kind of claim. In order to say all of these people are kind of partially right or wrong, you have to know something about which the object you're speaking. So if we're, you know, if maybe the elephant is supposedly God in this thing, how do we know that God is not a rope or a rake or a spear or a tree or a fan? Well, uh, someone in this story at least has, has the ability to see. 
That's right. And it's, it ends up being the one quoting the poem that, That's right. or, or the idea That's right. that, that sees it. That's right. And so a few years ago, I just kind of had this thought to myself reading a book. It was on uh, views of salvation in a pluralistic world. Uh, I'll try to remember to put that link in the, the, the show notes. It was dealing with you know different views on re- our human relationship with God and salvation or liberation. You know, Different religions have uh, kind of different views of how kind of the outcome of life that's positive uh, goes. And I, and, I'll, and I remember thinking, well, wait a second, the, the pluralist in the book, and I believe it was John Hick uh, who was writing that essay, um, literally was claiming, he was mapping things onto the major world religions that a devout Muslim or a devout Hindu or a devout uh, Buddhist or a devout Christian would never believe. And so what the pluralist kind of does is just smashes down the differences to try to find similarities amongst the world religions, because there are similarities, right? Be kind to your neighbor, some sort of uh, uh, derivation of what, you know, from Jesus we would call the golden rule, do to others as you'd have them do unto you. Sometimes flipped, right? Or, you know, do, you know, do have, as you want people to do to you, do to do them. Um, that some, there's some commonality there in the religions of kind of be nice, right? Be a better human being. But if you actually look at the, the religions in their own terms, right, you grab a what we would call a reading of the Holy Quran, and it'd only be a reading in English, um, we would have to say that uh, uh, the Muslim ideas should come from Muslim thinkers and from their sources. Same thing with various versions of Buddhism or Hinduism. We would want to take them uh, for their own claims rather than what someone was wanting to smash them down to believe. And so one of the things my parents asked me to do, Jesse, this was interesting. I, I was a, a young new Christian in college, and I kind of got into memorizing Bible verses and kind of uh, sticking note cards on my mirror. And it got a little crazy uh, because I stuck a lot of them up there. I was memorizing all these scriptures. And my parents, you know, my dad was a agnostic, atheist kind of guy. And they were like, "Who? what are you doing? You know, are you going crazy? And they asked me to read and look into other religions. And in doing so, what you find is very robust beliefs that people, real human beings, take very seriously. And to to be kind of this Western pluralistic idea is, oh, you guys all believe the same thing. We, what we really want is, hey, let's stop killing each other and being crazy. Right. Right. We want that in pluralism. Um, but in reality, what they're saying, hey, you need to not see your differences as clearly as you do. And so... Uh, I found that we should take religious uh, truth claims for what they are and, and to take people who believe them with kindness, respect, gentleness, and sincerity. Um, for instance, religions, do they believe the same things? Uh, well, do, do they all say the same things about God? Well, they don't. Uh, do they all diagnose the problem of the world in the same way? They don't. Um, you know, if you asked a secular religionist, and I, I do believe that secularists and atheists have a religion and a philosophy, uh, they they would say the problem of the world is some sort of lack of education or ignorance. Uh, well, you know, uh, Buddhists have a slightly, and Eastern philosophies have a slightly different reason. Um, diagnosis of the problem of the world is the lack of enlightenment, and you have to get past this illusion of yourself uh, to move past things like suffering in the world. Or, or Islam would say that submission to the will of God, or uh, the Arabic word for God, Allah. If we just would all submit to the will of Allah, that solves the problem of the world, or, or uh, the Christian view that the problem is sin, our alienation from God that results in various actions in the world that are also sinful. Uh, very different. Uh, how, do, how are those problems solved? Very different. What about the afterlife, right? Uh, very different answers to that. And so in light of this, uh, and, and I would say even who, who then is Jesus himself? A Christian certainly would care about that. And so I started calling pluralism in the academic sense uh, Western imperialistic uh, pluralistic religion or whipper. Um, whipper. Yeah, whipper. Uh, the people actually who believe that today are actually having their own worldview and religion about God's and about other people's views uh, that we should evaluate uh, as well. And so... The question then, if we want to take religious truth claims seriously and not just smash them into this kind of acceptable Western pluralistic whipper, I thought about Western oppressive pluralistic religion, call it a whopper, but that doesn't sound as charitable, so I'm going with whipper. Um, Instead of trying to conquer all the religions and make them submit to my pluralism uh, in the Western academic sense, uh, how then should we interact 
cross religion, mm. right? Um, any thoughts on that, Jesse? What would you give as a pastor for for interacting with those who believe differently from you? Yeah, that's great. I, as a matter of fact, I was just having coffee with someone last week uh, who calls the, themselves a atheist, um, re- reformed Jew, mm-hmm. and uh, and really had some interesting conversations about. You know, really, each one of these things, who, who or what is God? Can I even believe? Uh, as a matter of fact, this person had, a, had, a, had an idea that we are going to move past religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, it's kind of an adolescence phase of humanity. Yeah, yeah. actually, it, it, it was interesting because uh, they, they want to believe in something. And really getting at what you were saying, that there's there's something inherently in us that's, that drives us to want to have meaning and, and really want to mm-hmm, worship something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, as far as counsel goes, when I was sitting with this person, I was thinking, uh, number one, my own soul, I need to be led by the Spirit, and I want to be gentle and respectful. I think I'm even seeing, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that I want to think about... Um, being ready to give an answer for the hope that I have, but to do it with gentleness and respect, but also that I want to find commonality, right? So I think that, I think because of, uh, we can see maybe in uh, Psalm 19, that God has 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 uh, displayed something of himself, and, 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 and his, his words go out throughout all of the world. And creation, the universe... That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think inherent in us is is some sense of commonality. We can yeah. find some common ground. Yeah. Um. And so that's one thing that I would do is is to try to find some common ground and then be uh, be clear about departures. Like yeah. the gospel is unique. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah, Jesus yeah. is unique. And uh, God became flesh. That's unique. And and so being able to show the dis departure from that yeah is helpful that's really good jesse because like there's many times kind of in intramural christian discussions about uh common ground there there are some from kind of a reformed theological uh tradition of which i you know i have some descendancy and some common beliefs with for sure um that kind of uh looks at the effects of sin on a person, on the human race, and on humanity, such that there isn't any common ground with Christian and non-Christian. And I I don't go that far, Yeah, uh, mainly because there's two things. One, um, the image of God is in human humanity, male and female created in the image of God. Now, how destroyed is it? You know, that's a theological question you guys can go with. Um, But it's there, right? It's, 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 it's the way we are made. So yeah. we're all walking around in humanness. That's one commonality. And then we are all placed in the same universe. We're in the same world. Um, unless you believe you're in the matrix or something, and then you know, I, I, nobody can talk to you anyway because you're in the matrix. Um, so, so these commonalities, I think your common humanity with other people allows us to uh, be kind, loving, and empathetic, um, and then uh, respectful as yeah. we listen to people's beliefs. And then the, because we're in a common world, with that common humanity, we can have discussions uh, using language and such uh, about religious things. Yeah. And so, and let me throw something else out there. I, I, I realize that most of what I know about other religions, I know from people in my religion. And very so, good, one good. of one of the things that I'm trying to cultivate now is that is that when I'm engaging with someone who believes something different than me that I would at least give them the respect of stating their case in their own words. Yeah. So yeah. that I'm not assuming I know everything about Islam because I've read a Christian author talking about writing about Islam right. or or Hinduism or uh you know. So um so that's something that I think is helpful too that that there's a, a posture of humility even though I, I I can be humble while not giving up the fact that I believe I, I yeah, have the truth. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and think about it. Um, if you're a Christian listening to this and you've heard someone maybe on television or in online or something uh, talking about what Christianity is in a way that just doesn't look <laughs> anything like what you believe or who you are, or who your family are, you know, like you feel misrepresented. You got to realize, right? Other people can feel that way. Uh, just like you do. And so allowing people and their source literature and the words of their teachers and prophets to define them is not only uh, respectful, it's what we would want as well, kind of concords with the golden rule. Did you see where the where NPR just... Uh, <laughs> did you see this? They mangled the definition of Easter. Um, I'm trying to find that. it right now. They... they uh, 
they corrected it to say, okay, so here's how the NPR blog described Easter. Easter, the day celebrating the idea that Jesus did not die and go to hell or purgatory or anywhere at all, but rather arose <laughs> into heaven, is on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they eventually corrected it to say the day Christians celebrate Jesus's resurrection, which is yeah, uh, yeah. which is a better, only, better way of describing it. Not only is the first one unclear and garbled, right, of so many it's, different ideas, it's, and it's uh, wrong. Yeah, and it's wrong. Absolutely, he did wrong. die. Yeah, let's let's yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he didn't it's, go it's, into heaven on yeah. Easter Sunday. Now, if you talk to an Orthodox Muslim, they will tell you Jesus did not die on a cross. They would say somebody else was substituted or something like that, uh, like that because prophets don't die that kind of horrendous death. But we're Christians, we and we're we believe in history, so we believe in crucified, dead, and buried, raised on the third day. Yeah, interaction between religions is difficult because we have to be learners, we have to be patient. And many times we want everything to ride and fall in one conversation. But the the, the scripture that uh, Jesse quoted is the apologetics verse in First Peter three fifteen that always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I've met many people that are into so called apologetics that like to argue with atheists or prove other people wrong, uh, and they forget the last part of that verse, which says, but do so with gentleness and respect. And if we're not doing that, we're certainly not representing the character uh, of Jesus as we talk to others. And secondly, listen and learn. Yeah, you can even affirm things that are true um, from a biblical perspective in the, the worldview of others. For instance, if you interact with a Buddhist, not an American kind of like Hollywood Buddhist, but one who actually believes the the teaching of the Buddha, um, you would see in some of their noble truths some very true things that you could affirm, like you know, suffering's a problem, right? Suffering comes from desires, our desires. Now, you might not agree with the solution that we should kill desire. As a Christian, you might say, well, desire just needs to be reallocated to God and not to things, right? And that causes suffering. But there's a lot of commonality that we can can affirm. Um, and then and then I think when you get into um, why I believe this and not that in terms of religion, we have to start at very basic levels. Um, you know, you, if you grew up Christian or not, or if you grew up Muslim or not, there are certain presuppositions and things that you just believe. You just believe them like because you, you breathe air and you drink water. Um, and I found it's helpful to start at very basic levels. And so um, the big fork in the road that I find helpful is whether or not you believe in some sort of deity or some sort of divine reality, um, one or many. That's a good place to start because then you kind of fork into theism or atheism or agnosticism or such. Um, and then my question always was, how do, how do I know this God? right? Um, which, which led me to really look at the person of Jesus, right? Because uh, if God is real, if God exists, uh, the question is, has God shown up? Has God yeah. uh, disclosed? Because for me, I would think that God would want to be known in some way. And so, and, and what we find in the Bible is this really unique aspect that God is both revealing himself and hidden from fallen yeah. sinful nature. And so, but the primary way that God made himself uh, known was through uh, the Word of God in creation, and then the Word of God made flesh, the person of Jesus himself, that God became one of us. Um, and so we didn't have to have a complex philosophical degree or theology degree or have some high-tech uh, technology to, uh, in order to understand something. God became a human being. And what was God like in ways we could understand? Look at me, is what uh, God says in the person of Jesus. And so um, you eventually get there, you know, theism or not, you get to Jesus. And then I think it's very relevant to uh, look at those, um, uh, the, the, the founders of the faith, um, what their life was like. I, I jokingly mentioned Jordan Peterson, whether he's uh, with his 12, yeah. 12 awesome steps of awesome, is making a new religion. But even I heard him, his questions he had about Islam and comparing it to Jesus. And he's not a, a Christian in a kind of a, in an orthodox sense. He's kind of interested in biblical categories uh, to be used in his Peter, Petersonism. Um, but the two questions he had about uh, Islam was that Muhammad was a warlord and a political leader. Jesus was not. These are things that have to be wrestled with. And then the the aspect where Jesus said, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God as God throughout the history of the church has led to a separation between kind of earthly powers and the kingdom of God um, in the sense that there is no separation of church and state in Islam. 
So uh, when you look at the founders of a faith, I think it is important to look at their character, look at what they actually taught and what they actually uh, did, and that can help us in our interfaith, interreligious dialogues. But then we don't, as Jesse, you said several times, we don't give up uh, the aspect of truth in these matters, right? Jesus yeah. rose from the dead. Why? Well, if that's true, that's a, a significant... I don't want to say it changes everything, because I think that's a vacuous phrase that's used all the time. This changes everything. Well, it changes a lot of things, and I'd like to know those things rather than just say everything, but certainly Jesus being risen from the dead, uh, and then that promise related to our own destiny uh, becomes relevant, uh, because if that kind of miracle was a demonstration of Jesus' identity, teaching, and words, uh, and it had purpose, right, for, the Bible says, for our justification, uh, then that event historically matters, whether it's true or not, um, and has great bearing on our lives. Yeah, I had when this conversation I was having last week at the coffee shop. Uh, this person is on a, is really seeking on a quest, and uh, decided that as a as an atheistic Jewish person that they ought to read all of the Old Testament first before they read the New Testament. Which to which I said that's a noble that's a noble idea, um, and you should keep doing it, but. You should also read about Jesus, <laughs> right? 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 Uh, right? Let's not wait a whole year yeah, before yeah. you make it. You, you may you may not make it through numbers. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah. because really, it, it does come down for us when you when you think about the founders of your religion. Yeah, you've got to engage with Jesus if you want to engage with Christianity. And so, uh, so I do think, yeah, that's great. Like, who who is your religion based on? Who are the saints yeah. or the or yeah. the yeah the, the really important the people, people that are looked at as yeah. kind of paradigms for this, you yep. know, and every every faith would have those, and certainly uh, getting to those. And I, I think really, uh, Jesse, um, if we learn to be present, authentic human beings, authentic <laughs> uh, with others, right, yeah. we will learn about them, and we will have opportunity uh, to share about Jesus, who's our treasure uh, with others. We saw, I, you know, during our, our sojourn in New Jersey, I, I love those eight years uh, so deeply, um, we had Hindu friends coming to, you know, uh, vacation Bible school, Christmas Eve services with us, and uh, standing on the sidelines uh, with very intelligent uh, educated Hindus learning about their religion uh, in friendship. And then also, uh, you know, dads of the wrestling team I was coaching tell me they believed in aliens and, and giving the patience to that, not just, you know, saying, oh, that's dumb. Um, and, and seriously listening to why uh, uh, he believed that. Now, in this case, it was because he saw it on the History Channel, which is uh, interesting in itself. Uh, but giving patience. And then when we do so, we'll learn uh, why... Why? What are people looking for? Yeah. Um, when they come to their religion, because they 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 have a need for God, right? Um, Saint Augustine years ago, you made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless till we find rest in thee. We know this from our faith that it's true. People need and were made for God. They're looking for it. They're making it in religions. They're following different faiths and paths. They're looking for books to read to find to find a way to fix themselves, so to speak. And if we listen well, I think we'll find great avenues in order to share the gospel well with people we actually know and love. And, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. You know, in, 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 in the Confessions, Augustine, you know, he's, it really starts with that quote. That's in the first paragraph. But uh, towards the end, as he's describing his journey and, and really becoming a commentator on what's happened as he's, he's gone from one, even religion to another, and philosophy to another, and practice to another. To Manichaeism. Try to, and, yeah. So in the end, he says... Uh, and I'm not quote. I don't have it before me, so I'm going to paraphrase. But he essentially says, um, "What you're looking for is good. Yeah. Like you're looking for a good thing. Uh, keep looking, but you're not going to find it where you're looking. You're going to have to go past that. Essentially, saying we're all on a quest to find meaning. We're all on a quest to find truth. We're all on a quest to f- to, to really find what we're made for and right. what we're made to worship and find our satisfaction right. in." And it's good that you're looking. Right, right. This has helped me so much as I'm engaging with other people because I, I'm I'm trying not to look at it like I'm the enlightened one, you're the unenlightened one. More like um, we're seekers, and I I I found it. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to find it too. Or, or it found us. It found me. Sure, yeah, I'm I'm Calvinist amen. enough to yeah. say that <laughs> he found me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and so so yeah, really, I, I love where you've taken us, Reed, because. 
I think a lot of times um, in my experiences with young men who are maybe really excited about apologetics or engaging with people of other faiths or ideas, um, there's sometimes is this, I don't know, kind of priggishness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jerkiness. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and arrogance, um, arrogance, yeah. self-righteousness yeah. and, like, like they love the truth more than they love the other person, which, which I think is maybe not a terrible thing. Right. I, I'd like to, I'd like to love both. Right, right. Um, it's like the passage in Titus two that many times you know are <laughs> theme verses for women's discipleship ministries in the church. Titus two uh, talks about young men, old men, old older women, younger mm-hmm. women, and and how we live as this community. Um, but there's this phrase, I think it follows after the woman's passage. I probably should open up the Bible, not butcher it. But it says something like that, and so adorn, adorn the, the doctrine of yeah, God doctrine our of God, Savior, right? right? Yeah. So, so the teaching about God our Savior can be adorned. It doesn't change the truth of it, doesn't change the beauty of God, but the way in which we interact and live together as households, as friends, as people can can beautify or make beautiful That's the, right. the this, teaching, right? The stark, yeah. true gospel is beautiful, right. but we can make it more beautiful to people. Yeah, and likewise, I think we can uh, ugly it up yeah. with our own ugliness on, right. the, on the outside of it. So um, I'm not just saying be nice, don't care about truth. Obviously, we care deeply about the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. You keep my commandments, you're my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're about freedom, or the word we're using in, in church right now about 768 times a sermon. Flourishing, flourishing right? There it we're is. about flourishing. <laughs> um, and Jesus wants to set people free uh, through the truth. So we're not backing off of that. That's right. But how do we approach others? It has to be gentleness, respectfulness, and then, you know, we need to learn a little bit so that we might be skilled witnesses to this particular person in worldview and religion. Um, all, all while remaining confident that God right. has revealed His truth to us and His Son and, right. and through His Word. That's right. Ravi Zacharias once says, there's no sense in cutting off someone's nose and then giving them a rose to smell. And if you can make another person's religion try to make it look bad with a matter of minutes, you really haven't understood it. Hmm. And so we don't want to be that kind of witness. We want those who stand firmly on the truth of the gospel Amen. as we hold it out. Uh, to others, um, as the guy that led me to the Lord uh, said that, hey, I'm just a beggar trying to find bread. It found me, and I'm just sharing it with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. When when uh, when Ravi Zacharias said that, he wasn't quoting you there, was he? Uh, no, he wasn't quoting me. He was quoting an ancient <laughs> Hindu uh, 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 proverb as well from okay. the country of his birth. Well, I think that's a wrap for today. Um, thank you for the authentic interaction, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you about my problems in a minute, but for now, I want to thank Sugar Pilos for allowing us to license the song, See It For Yourself, as our theme song. And we do hope you see Jesus for yourself. And the Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change in the Bonhoeffer House. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might have to us. Do you want us to take up something on air? Yeah. Suggestions of show titles, perhaps. Info at gospelunderground.org. And hey, we want you to review us on iTunes. I have a friend who says we need more reviews on iTunes so we can move up the list or something like that. Only five-star reviews are acceptable. We're coming for Osteen. We're being all, yeah, we're, we're coming for you, Joel. Uh, we do not we do not accept one-star reviews. We accept five-star only because we are a dialogue That's taking our place. Truth. That's our truth. Five stars and above to infinity and beyond. Positive infinity. A dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope you see you out there. Peace.